Mothers. We're the ones who are stretched thin and stretched far. The ones 
who live on caffeine and God's grace. We're the ones whose hearts are walking around outside of our bodies. We are the women who love children that we didn't birth. The women who wait to hold the babies we couldn't carry. And the women who ache for a dream that sometimes feels unseen. We're the North Stars who guide our children home and welcome them back into the fold, no matter how far they might have gone. We are the ones who love this life. Even on the days we don't like it, motherhood is harder and holier and better than we ever thought. Some days you want to quit. Most days you can't imagine your life being anything else. But becoming a mother changes everything. And here's the truth that we all need to be reminded of today. God chose you. God chose you in this time for your children. He called you. He anointed you. He entrusted you. He trusts you. God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave you your children. He knew the long nights and the short years. He knew the long nights and the short years. He knew the pain and the incredible joy. And he knew that there was no better mom for the job than you. Today, today, we celebrate you. Today, we honor you because you carry one of the hardest and holiest callings. You are a mother. You are a mother. You are a mother. You are a mother. Well, good morning. I wonder if we could have all of our moms uh, to go ahead and stand. Would you do that? And let's honor them. Can we do that? Thank you. Thank you for all you do, all you've done. Uh, as our examples, we do appreciate you and family. Spoil them good today. Take them out to eat. Do some fun things today with them. Uh, but, uh, anyway, we want to welcome everyone today to our service. If you're visiting with us, we ask you to please take one of the care cards. They're located in the pew rack right in front of you. And in, uh, please fill out your information. We'd like to have a record of you being here. And if there's information you'd like from the church, uh, you can check those places. And then on the back of the care card for all of us is a place to fill in any prayer requests. If you have a prayer need, our staff would like to know about that and be praying for you. So fill that in. As you leave today, there are two white boxes on the columns next to the exterior double door. You can just drop those there and we'll make sure they get to the right staff people. Uh, we do pray for you when we get those. So please take a moment to do that. Uh, it is time to register for Vacation Bible School uh, you can register to serve. Uh, there's a training next Sunday at 5 p.m. You can register your children, and you can also register for snack suppers all online at pbcweb.org. Uh, the snack suppers are $16 per person for four nights, uh, so you can sign up for that, and that's, that's a bargain for them to be able to come here and eat right before a VBS. Also, there's coming up a community training that's going to be offered dealing with children who have faced traumatic situations. It is called Trauma Informed. Uh, it'll be led by our Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina on May the 22nd from 6 to 8 p.m. at Providence Baptist Church in Harrisburg. You can register online at pbcweb.org. It's for parents, volunteers, educators, grandparents, foster parents, if you would just like to know how to better 
uh, uh, deal with children who are maybe dealing with struggles. Uh, we've been looking at stats here lately at uh, things that are going on with mental health issues in our country, and they're staggering. And parents and people are coming and saying, teachers are coming and saying, what is going on? And so here's some help for that. We want to encourage you to be a part of that. Part of that. Again, May 22nd, and you'll find more information at pbc.web, uh, uh, pbcweb.org to go ahead and register. Also, we're establishing a volunteer workforce uh, under our deacon's direction called Pitts Serves. Uh, there are all different ways that you can serve our church members who are in need. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Uh, if you'll go by and get more information on that, we would love to have you be a part of that. I want to recognize at this time our college graduates, um, seeing several of them coming home. It's good to see them. Uh, Abigail Barfield's here this morning. She graduated from NC State University with a Bachelor of Science in Psychology and a minor in Forensic Science, and we're proud of her. She's going to be attending uh, for her master's degree in Meredith next year. Uh, Bailey Botello uh, graduated from Belmont Abbey College with a Bachelor of Science in Business Management. Uh, Noah Deese graduated with a double major from UNC Chapel Hill with a Bachelor of Science in Economics and a Bachelor of Arts in Management and Society. And then Jackson Hardister graduated from Wingate University with a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry. Cameron Harn finished last December at UNCC, a Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And then Mackenzie Kimes from UNC at Chapel Hill with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Emily Davis Miller finished at VCOM Carolinas with her doctorate in Family Medicine. Christine Morris finished at UNC Wilmington with a Bachelor of Science in Integrated Marketing Communication. And then Kristen Munn-Seeger, I like saying that. <laughs> Kristen Munn-Seeger graduated from UNC Charlotte with a Bachelor of Arts in Elementary Education. And then Corey Turner finished last December at Appalachian State University with a Bachelor of Science in Sustainable Energy. Can we go ahead and give them a hand? Those are some great milestones. And mentioning great milestones, where is Alan Hoppy? Are you here this morning, sir? Would you stand? He's right in the back, our usher with a bow tie. He, he turned 90 yesterday. Man, I hope I look like that when I'm 90. Yeah, that's a great accomplishment. And then at this time, uh, we are also going to have Pastor Scott come for our parent-child dedication. Folks, you know, uh, professions are so important in the scripture. Public professions, taking a stand for Christ. You know, I think even in, in the Old Testament, how the Old Testament saints would do this. Joshua uh, told the people of God, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, Mother's Day is always special because uh, we'll have at least one family dedicating themselves and their child or children uh, to the Lord. And we have that this morning. I want to ask uh, Lori and Will, uh, Will Whiteley if they would stand uh, up front and uh, face me initially. And if they would bring all their children with them, Gavin and Sadie and Preston. Uh, Preston is how many months old now? 
seven months old. And Preston is being dedicated today. Uh, Gavin and Sadie have already had this experience with mom and dad, but we're so grateful for this family. Of course, if you do not know uh, Lori, she is the director of our Child Development Center uh, here at Pitts and does a fabulous job. And I want to tell them, just like I tell parents all the time, if the kids act up while they're down here, that's okay. We expect that. Uh, I'll just... I'll just talk over Preston, or I'll, I'll, uh, or maybe in this case I should say I'll talk over Will, because if you know Will, he might be the one acting up. But anyway, uh, the staff is so grateful for this family, uh, their service, their leadership, uh, their example here, uh, a wonderful family. If you are here today with the Whiteleys, would you stand just a moment? And let's welcome them. Thank you for being here. Lori's dad had the distinction of uh, being my partner in one of our golf outing foursomes, so he can testify to the fact that your pastor does not spend time on the golf course. But uh, anyway, we're glad to have all of their guests with him here today. You know, we think about that occasion in the scripture where Hannah desired a son. And she made a commitment to the Lord that if God would bless her with a son, she would dedicate him back to the Lord. And she did just that. It had to be an incredibly difficult thing. But Hannah uh, took the boy Samuel to the temple, left him there with Eli the priest, and he was raised under Eli's uh, mentoring. And of course, Samuel became a very important uh, prophet and judge there uh, in Israel. Uh, but Hannah, I mean, just think about a mom taking her child to the temple during those days and leaving him there. And uh, she was keeping her end of the promise she made to God if God would give her a son she would surrender that child back to the Lord. We know that's the challenge of all of us. Uh, we don't ask you to drop your kids off here at the church and we'll raise them. Uh, but uh, we do ask you symbolically as a family that you commit your children uh, to the Lord all the same. That they can be raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I think of how... Uh, Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, uh, took Jesus to the temple and had him dedicated. And so that's what the Whiteleys are doing here today. And there's several admonitions that I would like to give to them. First of all, I want to charge you to rededicate your lives to Christ and to living under the lordship of Jesus yourselves, being that example for your children. Uh, secondly, rededicating yourselves to one another as husband and wife. Because children need to see a mom and dad who not only love Jesus, but love each other and are committed to each other. And thirdly, rededicate yourselves uh, to Christ's bride, which is the church. I want to ask you today, uh, are you willing to provide that Christ-like example, lead your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord 
doing everything in your power uh, at God's timing in Preston's life to lead him to faith in Jesus Christ and setting that godly example to him. Is that your commitment uh, to do that here today? Amen. Then I want to ask you to turn and face the congregation. And as you do so, I'm going to ask you to state uh, uh, Preston's full name and your purpose of being here today. And then we have something to present to the Whiteleys. We're going to give them uh, some books. Uh, one is the, the big picture of the Bible that they can use with their kids. There's a preschool version and a children's version that they'll be receiving. And then they'll also be receiving a book that they can use in the home as they disciple their kids. And then finally, they'll, they'll be receiving a certificate to commemorate this day. So again, if you would state your name and your purpose for being here today. My name is Will Whiteley. Uh, this is my wife, Lori, my son, Gavin, and my daughter, Sadie Grace. And we are here this morning to uh, dedicate ourselves and our newest child, Preston Banks Whiteley, to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And now we're going to have the presentation. In church family, I want you to remember that you and I have responsibilities to families here at church as well. That we come alongside of young families and that we too live the example uh, that will be a testimony to these families and to their children that we would pray for them and encourage them and uh, work together with them in spreading uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ if you're making this commitment today not only to the Whiteleys but other young families in the church would you stand together as the body of Christ as your pledge uh, to operate as a corporate family a family of God helping and serving and praying for one another. Thank you. Let's pray for the Whiteleys. Father, we are so grateful for this family who has already shown such a wonderful example to us here at Pitts Baptist in their labor for the Lord. Lord, it's evident that here are parents who love you and care very much about a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and about having a home and a marriage that honors you. And God, I pray that this dedication and this love would only increase uh, in their lives. Lord, we know these are challenging days to be families because the, the family and the home is being assaulted in so many ways. And God, I pray that you would help them to stand firm and strive together for the faith of the gospel. Uh, be with mom and dad both, and may they set that example uh, for their children. And God, we pray for Gavin, we pray for Sadie, we pray for young Preston, that each of their children would grow up and have a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ that they would be surrendered to whatever your plan is uh, in their lives. God, we thank you for the families of this church. We pray that we would all stand together in that and that we would remember that 
we're not just individuals in Christ, but we're also a corporate body. We need each other. And so, God, I pray that we would pray for other families in the church, that we would encourage them, that we would serve alongside of them, that we can be a beacon of light in this community to other families. Lord, help us, help the Whiteleys to be salt and light for the gospel in these days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
Thank you. Find Philippians chapter 4 in your copy of the scripture. And I want to bring a message to you this morning entitled, Ways for Busy Moms to Enjoy God's Peace. Ways for Busy Moms to Enjoy God's Peace. And uh, let me add uh, what Pastor Seeger said earlier. We want to wish all of our moms uh, a happy Mother's Day. And we pray that this will be a day that your families will spoil you uh, somewhat and uh, be extra kind to you. We thank you for all the special things that you do for us and what you mean to us. And so we pray God's blessings on all of our moms today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for, for the reading of God's Word, and we'll read from verse 1 down through uh, verse 7. Paul says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand uh, firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat uh, Sintiki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. If you love history, you may be wondering today about the origins of Mother's Day. Well, Anna Jarvis, she lived from 1864 to 1948. She first suggested the national observance of an annual day honoring all mothers because she had loved her own mother so dearly. At a memorial service for her mother on May the 10th, 1908, Miss Jarvis gave a carnation, which was her mom's favorite flower, to each person who attended that day. And within the next few years, the idea of a day to honor mothers gained popularity. And Mother's Day was observed in a number of large cities across the United States. On May the 9th, 1914, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. And he established the day as a time for public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. It actually became a custom after that time to wear white carnations in honor of departed or in memory of departed uh, mothers and red carnations to honor the living. Now, moms, I came across an interesting story recently. It's entitled, How Moms Were Made. I think you'll like this. It says, by the time the Lord made mothers, he was into the sixth day working overtime. 
an angel appeared and said, Why are you spending so much time on this one? And the Lord said, Have you read the spec sheets on her? She has to be completely washable, but not plastic. Have 200 movable parts, all replaceable. Run on black coffee and leftovers. Have a lap that can hold three children at one time and then completely disappear when she stands up. Have a kiss that can cure anything from a scraped knee to a broken heart and have six pairs of hands. The angel was astounded at the requirements for this one. Six pairs of hands? No way. The Lord replied, oh, it's not the hands that are the problem. It's the three pairs of eyes that mothers must also have. One pair to see through the closed door as she asks the children what they're doing, although she already knows. Another pair in the back of her head to see what she needs to know, even though nobody thinks she's looking. And the third pair are here in front of her head. The Lord went on. She's able to keep going and heal herself when she's sick and can feed a family of six on a pound of hamburger and can, give a nine, can get a nine-year-old to stand in the shower. The angel moved closer and touched the woman. But Lord, you've made her so soft. Yes, she is soft, the Lord said. But I also made her tough. You have no idea what she can endure. The angel then noticed something and reached out and touched the woman's cheek. Oops, it looks like you have a leak with this model. It's not a leak, the Lord said. It's a tear. A tear is her way of expressing her joy, her sorrow, her disappointment, her pain, her loneliness, and her grief. Now, folks, obviously from that spec sheet, we can see that being a mom uh, is tough business. How can moms do it? How do moms do it? And what's most important, I would assume, for Christian moms is how can moms do all of this and yet experience the peace of God at the same time and maintain that peace? That's what I want us to look at this morning. You see, moms, it's possible to have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through having a relationship to God through Christ because you've come to saving faith in Christ. But for the lady who has done that, it is also very important that day to day in your life, you also experience the peace of God. And you see, you can only have the peace of God if you first of all have peace with God. And so you, how do you have this? How do you enjoy day to day with all the vast responsibilities that are placed upon your shoulders? How in the world can you live day to day in a world like ours today and yet at the same time experience the peace of God? That's what I want us to look at this morning. 
I hope you'll take some notes. First of all, I want you to see that moms should work diligently on a stable and firm relationship with the Lord. In verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, what's very important to see about this verse is that essentially verse 1 of chapter 4 is a bridge verse between chapters 3 and 4. It connects what Paul is about to say with what he has just said. And I want you to notice how Paul connects this. I hope you'll turn back to chapter 3. And notice what he says here. We need to stand firm because of the shortage of good examples. Look at what he began saying there in verse 17 of chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, not a few, but many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, They glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now I want you to notice what he's saying here. He's talking to members of the church, the church there at Philippi, about the kind of culture that they live in. A dark culture, much like ours today. And he's saying, you know what? When you look out at the world, and sadly sometimes, even when you look within the walls of the church, you can find lots and lots of bad examples. There are plenty of people out there who are living, he says, as enemies of the cross of Christ because they are allowing their desires and their fleshly appetites to absolutely drive everything else about their lives. And as they live in the world, they're never content with anything. Moms, I want to ask you today, Are you content with what you have? Are you content first and foremost in your relationship with Christ? And do your kids see this? Are you chasing after the things of the world? Do you you have an appetite for the things of the world which seems to drive everything else in your life? I want you to listen to a testimony about a man named Joe, Joe Gutierrez, who worked in a steel mill in his book called The Heat. The Steelworkers' Lives and Legends, he tells stories from being a steelworker for 42 years. In one story, the chapter is entitled, Snow Danced in August. And he describes a scene of silvery dust flakes 
that would frequently float on the floor in a certain area of the meal and everybody in the meal wanted to work in that area because they wanted to see the dazzling sights. But years later they found out what those sparkles of silver dust were in the air. It was asbestos. Joe Gutierrez now suffers from the slow choking grip of lung cancer as do many of his fellow workers. And he comments on the irony of it all. He says, and to think, we used to fight over having that job. Moms, how many things in the culture today entice our families Calling out to our families. And the things of the world that entice our families are like those silver flakes in the air of that steel mill. They look attractive. They look dazzling. But they're deadly and we need to see them for what they are. They are enchanting but they are deadly. And so moms, I would admonish you and each of us today, we need to make sure we're standing firm in the Lord, that we, we are having that stable and dynamic and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And set that example for your kids. So many parents are communicating the wrong things to their children. They're raising children who are going to have an insatiable appetite for the things of the world because sadly they themselves have an insatiable appetite for the things of the world. Moms, stand firm in the Lord. Be content in your relationship with Christ. And as a motive for that, I want you to notice what he said in verse 20 of chapter 3. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, moms, a born-again child of God is a resident of two different worlds. You live in this world now, obviously, with all of the challenges that are a part of this world, but you are also a citizen of heaven. And so the challenge is that we live in this world by the standards of the age to come. The standards of the age of, to come are to set our agenda even now in this world. And he goes on in verse 21 there to say also as an encouraging motive to do all this because we will be transformed one day. The, the battles you fight today as a woman of God will all be worth it one day when you stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're to aim for. And so moms, I would challenge you today to stand firm in the Lord. Have a growing and stable relationship with, with Christ. And take time to feed your own soul. Make the time. Because your relationship with Christ deserves number one priority in your life. And there may be some things you have to rearrange in your life so you can make that a priority. 
A second admonition I want you to see. There in verses 2 and 3, strive for harmony in relationships. He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat uh, Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me together, uh, with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. You know, there is, there is no peace if people are arguing and bickering and backbiting and wrangling and grumbling. I don't have to tell you that. If you're sitting around the dinner table and your kids are bickering with one another, it's enough to give everybody indigestion. Here were two ladies in the church at Philippi. I mean, think of this, folks. Two ladies in the church that were at odds with each other. And their conflict was spreading to others. It, it was poisoning the church. And Paul calls them out. Ladies, could you imagine having, your having yourself called out by name and all through history people are going to be reading about the conflict that you're having with another woman in the church? I mean, that's not a distinction. That's not a notoriety that you want. Paul calls them out by name. And, but he refers to these ladies as, as believers. They are believers who have labored in the kingdom. I'm assuming, as most commentators do, that it's, that it's not some important doctrinal matter that they're arguing about because that would be something worth fighting over and Paul would probably get involved in, in that battle and he would state plainly what, what that doctrinal matter, how, how it should be viewed. It's probably something that doesn't even matter that much. And you know, that's how so many conflicts in the church can be oftentimes, if you think about it. People are arguing over stuff that in the long run doesn't even matter. You might have two people fighting because their area of ministry is getting more money in the budget than somebody else's. Or they don't like how a new room in the church is going to be decorated and furnished. Just little spats like that you know of course Paul's main focus here is the church but we know that it can also happen in the home what kind of atmosphere is being set in your home is your home a peaceable place of harmony with other family members is it a place where people actually want to go and hang out where people enjoy being at home and the company of the family if not then moms you can help with that everybody's got to work on it but moms can help set that tone and I would encourage you to let your kids see in you a problem solver a, a peacemaker and not the opposite 
And ladies, I would even go, uh, I would even go so far to say also in, in terms of harmony and relationships, if you're a married woman, let me challenge you uh, to work on a relationship with your husband. You know, in the book of Genesis, the scripture says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That is not said about any other relationship other than one's relationship with their spouse. Ladies, make sure in the home as, as you're setting an atmosphere of peace and harmony that your relationship with your husband is what it ought to be. You know what? That's going to be a blessing to your children. Children report that they gain a great deal of security in their lives when they see mom and dad together in a growing harmonious relationship with each other. Strive for harmony in relationships. Then thirdly, look at verse 4. Moms, rejoice in the Lord. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Moms, is there joy in your life? I'm not talking about happiness. You know what happiness is, don't you? Happiness is so often based on outer circumstances. If outer circumstances in your life are favorable, you're happy. If they're not favorable, you're not happy. But you know what? Joy, rejoicing in the Lord and joy is something that is so much deeper than happiness. Joy actually grows through rejoicing in the Lord. I've had people tell me before, Pastor, you know, in my prayer time, I would just get straight to petitions and requests. But I decided I'd start spending some time, first of all, just rejoicing in the Lord. And pastor, it's transformed not only my prayer time, but my entire life. My attitude about everything. Because the first thing I do every day is I just spend some time rejoicing in the Lord. Because God is good. You know, it's easy in life to focus on the bad. Because we are faced with a lot of bad circumstances. And if we allow that to happen... We aren't really living in the joy of the Lord. Because again, the joy of the Lord transcends our circumstances. Don't focus on everything that's wrong. Focus on Christ and focus on the good. And find more good in life than bad. Paul tells them rejoice in the Lord. And you know something? We've got theological reasons to rejoice in the Lord. Because if you were to look back at the very first verse in the book of Philippians, how is it that Paul addresses them? He addresses them as those who are saints in the Lord. They're God's children. Because they've come to God through faith in His Son, their names are written in His book of life. Moms, if you're a Christian, that's something to rejoice in. Your name is in God's book. Remember what Jesus said after He had sent out the 70 in Luke 10, and He had given them the power and the authority to do the same type of miracles He was doing? 
And they came back and, and those disciples were so elated because of all the miracles that they had seen God do through them. I mean, they were just blown away by what God had allowed them to do. And you remember what Jesus told them? He said, guys, don't rejoice over the fact that God did all this through you. Rejoice first and foremost over the fact that your names are in God's book of life. That's something to be thankful for, ladies. As you think back, whatever the circumstances were that God used in your life, that the Holy Spirit used to draw you to faith in Jesus Christ. God loved you, He loves you, and He he saved you. You've got a theological reason to rejoice in the Lord. And, and then in verse uh, 6 of chapter 1, Paul also said, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue it unto the day of Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ, moms, not only are you saved, but you have God's promise of his continued work in and through you. That's something to rejoice over. Be glad. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 103. Uh, King David is giving reasons to rejoice in God. And he reminds us that we're not to forget all the things that God has done. He says, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, and forget none of his benefits. It can be so easy to forget. He goes on to say, he forgives all your iniquities. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. He's slow to anger, and he's not treated you as your sins deserve. Is that reasons to rejoice? Absolutely. Rejoice, moms. Rejoice in the Lord and what the Lord has done in your life and how He has continued to work in your life. The greatest miracle of all sometimes that we fail to think about is, is, is thinking about how the Lord has saved us. I mean, moms, think about it. You and I were on a way to a Christless eternity, but God stepped in and he saved you. He regenerated your soul. He changed your life. The greatest miracle of all. When you get the lowest in life or you're faced with the worst circumstances in life, spend some time thinking about what God has done in your life and rejoice and then in verse 5 a fourth principle to live by he says exercise reasonableness and gentleness in verse 5 he says let your reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand now I want to say something to you this is a very difficult word in the Greek language to translate into a single English word and that's why if you were to lay out English translations all in front of you and you were to read verse 5 here you would see that English translations are all over the map when they interpret verse 5 
And all of them are, they're, they're correct, but all of them are taking a different nuance to this word. It can be let your moderation be, be known, let your reasonableness uh, be made known, let your gentleness be made known. James Montgomery Boyce says that the sentence is a warning not to be unduly rigorous about unimportant matters. You're to be gentle and reasonable and moderate when it comes to unimportant matters. For example, we're not to bend when it comes to doctrine. But I think we are to bend a little bit when it comes to dealing with people. Have you ever had anybody that neither you nor anybody else could reason with? Have you ever met anybody like that? Have you ever been in a group meeting with somebody like that? Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody like that? I don't care what anybody does. Nobody can win with them. Nobody can reason with them. We're not to be that way. Or somebody that's so rigid they just drive everybody around them crazy. I was visiting in the home of a church family one time, and, and the man said to me, Pastor, I wish my son would, would go to church with his family and kids. Now, he's grown, he's married, he has kids, but he won't go. And this man went on to tell me, he said, I think he's rebelling against the church but because when, when he was growing up, we were members of a very strict church. I mean, not just, a, not just a conservative church, which would be a good thing. He said, this was a very strict, legalistic church. And he went to a school at that church the same way. I mean, it was all about do's and don'ts. You got to do this. You can't do this. A long list of everybody's do's and don'ts. And pastor, I think now that our son is just rebelling against that kind of upbringing. Legalism destroys the gospel. So does libertinism, where people just discount everything. They even discount doctrinal issues that do matter. We're not to be legalists. We're not to be libertines. We're to strike the right balance. We're, we're to know what's important and what's essential to stand firm in. And, and then we are to know what's not that critical in life. And, and moms, you know what? We ought to pray that God would give us the wisdom to know the difference. To know the difference over what's important and what's not. That can make a huge difference in your Christian life and in the rearing of your kids. It's, it's a challenge. Because again, not everything is worth a fuss. But some things definitely are worth, worth a fuss. We need to know the difference. So Paul is talking here in verse 5 about the right balance. Knowing that right balance in your Christian life. When it comes to your relationship with other people. The challenge in the home is to have good Christian training. Good Christian character development. Keeping standards and, and discipline high. And yet letting reasonableness be the governing principle through it all. 
Moms relax a little bit without compromising anything. If a kid doesn't make up their bed one time, so what? Now, do you want them to make up their bed? Sure, as well. But if they go out the door one morning without doing that, big deal. If they don't put their dirty dish away one time, big deal. Develop good patterns and disciplines in your home, but don't go off the deep end. If occasionally a child comes up short, maybe, maybe your child doesn't have their memory verse for a one of that week nailed down to perfection. So what? So what? Be reasonable. Be gentle. We don't adorn the gospel very well if we're so rigid about everything. A fifth thing I want you to see, a fifth principle. Moms pray instead of worry. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Look at that phrase, be anxious for nothing. What parent is there that hasn't worried over a child? Boy, we know how to worry, don't we? We all know how to worry. Have you ever stopped to consider worry is not something we've got to be taught to do? We have to learn trust, but we don't have to learn to worry. The Greek word has to do with fretting, with despair, with worry. It, it doesn't mean don't have any concerns in your life. It just means don't, don't fret, don't go to pieces, don't despair over given situations. It, it has to do with getting yourself all upset and fearful over something in your life. And I want you to think about the uselessness of worry. It doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, psychologists have noted that the majority of times people worry about things that never ever come to pass. Worry or anxiety comes from a word that means to be pulled in different directions. That's what worry does. It pulls you apart. The old English word means to choke or to strangle. And I think that's a good description of worry. It, it strangles the life out of us. One, one pastor from Texas writes, Worry is a sin because it's based on the assumption that God is not able to take care of our lives. He says worry is a theological problem and the solution is to expand our concept of God and to recognize that he is able to do more than we could ever even ask or think we don't have to worry because we're valuable to God and if he's created us and saved us as Jesus said in Matthew 25 he's able to look after the lives that he's created and saved. If he can do the greater, which is creation and salvation, he can certainly do the lesser, which is sustaining that which he's created. 
Moms, understand your value to God. Don't worry about everything. You're created in God's image. That's where your value comes from. That's the starting point. And then you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Created by God and saved by His grace. What's that have to do with worry? It has everything to do with worry. You're created in His image. He's preparing a place for you. He loves you. He's not going to allow anything in your life that is outside of the scope of His ability to do something about it. And that ought to be very liberating. And so Paul says... Don't be anxious. But notice what he goes on to say. Pray. We're to cease from worrying by engaging in praying. Some people do everything but pray when they're worried. The Christian response is to pray. The very things that worry you, mom, are to be the things that you pray about. And he uses three different words to show how rich prayer is. The first word, prayer, just simply refers to worshiping God. Going before God and first of all in your prayer time, spending sufficient time just adoring God and worshiping Him. Sitting at His feet. Second word, supplication, means then tell Him about everything heavy on your heart. And then he says, with thanksgiving, being grateful to God for everything. Because according to Romans 8, 28, even the things that you like least about your circumstances, those may be the very things that God is using in your life the most. So when you're worried, take time to get alone with God. Worship Him, telling Him about what's worrying you. And before you leave, before you get up off your knees, giving giving Him thanks. Don't forget to give Him thanks. And then look at the promise Paul gives in verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice it's the peace that surpasses all understanding. If you have peace when everything's going your way, that's not a peace that surpasses all understanding. That, that's a logical peace. He's talking about the kind of peace that God's able to give you. When if you were like most people in the world, there's no way you would have peace. He gives you a peace that surpasses anything that's understandable. And this is the gift of God. And he says, this peace will guard your hearts and minds. That word guard was used of a military, of a military company that would stand guard around the city. When we pray like we should instead of worrying about things and present things to God, God's going to give us peace that's like a military company standing guard around our lives. Wonderful promise. Again, mom, stand firm in the Lord. With all that's coming against the the church and the home these days, be like Joshua who said, "As as, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
Make a commitment today, moms. You're going to stand firm. You're going to give attention to a growing, stable, firm relationship with Christ. And what do you need to do so you can get back to that growing relationship with Christ? So you can stand firm. Moms, do that. You know what you need to do in your life. You know how you need to order your life to get back to that. Do it. Moms, deal with relationships in your life that aren't healthy. Deal with those relationships in a biblical, a healthy biblical way. Are there people that you need to get right with? Let your kids see how you do that the biblical way. Because you know what? They're going to grow up facing challenging relationships too. And they need to learn how to deal with that. Teach them that. Are you showing reasonableness and gentleness? Or is there an unhealthy rigidness? Is there an unreasonableness in your life that you need to change? Ask God today to give you the wisdom to know what's worth dying for and what's not worth dying for. What about rejoicing? Make a conscious decision today to spend some time rejoicing in the Lord. By the way, it's a command here. It's in the imperative. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. Don't think about all the negative and what's wrong. But go before the Lord praising Him. And let that be what governs everything else. Moms, what has you concerned today? There's a hymn that says, Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we will not carry everything to God in prayer. Cast all your burdens on the Lord, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, because He cares for you. Lay those burdens at His feet. Lay those burdens at His feet. God is more concerned over your life than you are. And you know what? Jesus said, come to me all who are, who are uh, laboring and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You can rest in Him and pray to Him instead of despairing. Moms, it's your choice. It's your choice. Father, we thank you for this passage in the book of Philippians that's meant so much to people down through the ages. And God, as we apply it especially to moms today, I pray that moms would, would take these verses to heart. That these verses would have legs and feet and arms and hands in their lives, so to speak. That they would be lived out. I pray for that mom today who needs to get back to a growing relationship with you. I pray for that mom who maybe needs to confess, I've been uh, too rigid over things that don't ultimately matter. 
God, give me wisdom to know the difference. I pray for that mom who, who's let prayer kind of slip by the wayside in her life. And she knows she needs to get back to that every day. I pray for that mom who might have some relationships that she needs to mend this week. God, give us your grace, your strength. The Spirit's presence and power as we deal with all of these things in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.